It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to BGN Radio. Welcome to This Week in Fantasy. <clears throat> no, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. <laughs> right bgn radio we are back for another week of this week in fantasy it's the biggest freaking draft weekend and we are excited you get to make fun of your friends you get to drink a lot of beer uh and college football starts as well so it's a pretty sweet week as we're going to get into all that stuff plus injury news and uh, some trends that we've been seeing and uh, especially the mistakes that have been uh, been coming around here as we've been noticing quite a lot before we get into that let's just introduce everyone Around the horn, as I look to my left, I see Mr. James Zeltzer, who can be heard regularly here on BGN Radio, also a part of the fantastic producing crew over at 97.5 The Fanatic, and most importantly, on uh, rotorwire.com as well. James, what's happening, pal? John, I'm jacked up, buddy. This is the biggest draft week and weekend of the year. There's nothing more fun than this week. I had a draft last night. I got an auction tonight, another draft tomorrow. I can't wait. And, of course, from FF Toolbox, our good friend, Mr. Tony Caselli. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. It is so close now. <laughs> we can taste oh, it. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I've got one more draft tonight. Just finished two drafts in Las Vegas this weekend. Feeling pretty good. Yes. Feeling pretty good. Yes. Well, let's get uh, right into some camp notes. And, obviously, the two biggest ones, uh, Sam Bradford, Bopo Bopo, out so. Uh, it's just like I feel bad for him at the same time. If you drafted him and he's your only sole quarterback, uh, quarterback starter, yeah, you probably had a bad draft to begin with. But uh, you know, the other thing too is uh, Cam Newton. Not sure really what's going on with him. It sounds like he's going to be there for Week One. It's a broken rib, but there's no displacement or anything, so it sounds like he might fight through that and go. But James, we'll start out with you first. What kind of advice are you giving owners of these guys right now? And are there some deeper targets? 
in the you know in deep leagues that you could go after right now. John, I actually wrote about both of these guys on the uh, rotowire.com blog training camp notes last night. So uh, everyone check that out. Excuse me, Sunday night. Um, I, I First of all, I, I think, it, like you said, if you're drafting Sam Bradford, you're probably in a lot of trouble to begin with. That was, you know, not he, he's not starting in anything smaller than a, than a 20, 30 team, team league, you know. But uh, I don't think ultimately it's going to be that big a deal for the Zach Stacys of the world. I think Stacy proved last year with Kellen Clemens buying center that you can get points in the St. Louis offense without Sam Bradford there. Uh, as far as the Kenny Brits, Jared Cook, Tavon Austin, I'm not a huge fan of any of those guys to begin with. I wasn't a fan of the St. Louis passing game with Bradford there. So I would slightly downgrade those guys a touch. Uh, but I do think ultimately once Sean Hill comes in, gets familiarized with the offense, gets a, a rapport with the starters out there, I think it's going to be he's going to basically, at least in terms of fantasy, not in terms of winning real games, but in terms of fantasy, I think Sean Hill can do everything that Sam Bradford was going to do. So I don't think it really affects too many values there. Uh, as with Cam, I think Cam's a very interesting guy. He's been one of the most hottest you know, topics of fantasy draft season, talked about the most. Uh, with the ankle surgery coming into uh, preseason, missed the first preseason game. Uh, then, of course, now the, the hairline fracture of the ribs, adding into the fact that his best weapon is the 28th pick in the draft in, in Kelvin Benjamin. So uh, I think personally I'm definitely downgrading Cam. Uh, you know, kind of where he goes can be a, kind of a difficult thing because there is a lot of upside there. He's still Cam Newton. He still has been a, a you know a top tier fantasy quarterback the last few years. But I, I think between the rib maybe holding him back from running a little bit, the lack of weapons, I, I think you really got to be cautious when you take Cam this year. Actually, I'm not particularly worried about his rib injury. I think he will be out there week one. Uh, you know, there's a you know what I'm more concerned about is performance with that rib injury. If they're gonna take away some of his designed goal line runs and give those to Mike Tolbert to protect him a little bit. Uh, he's already got a little bit of a dearth of talent there. So if they take away those goal line runs from him or some of those designed runs to protect his ribs, uh, he's going to lose some of his value. So I'm not really concerned that he's going to start. I'm just concerned that in the first couple of weeks that he's going to have the same value that he might have later in the season. Yeah, this actually really knocks him down almost completely to, for me, to an undraftable state. And I know I, I know that sounds a little overdramatic and a little crazy, but here's the thing. We're not in week one yet, and he's coming off a of surgery and now a rib, and those things don't go away. The other thing that concerns me, he's not going to slide. Guess who also doesn't like to slide or never learned how to slide? Michael Vick. So, I mean, there's, there's times when you're like, yes, Cam will put up those huge numbers. Again, there's not much in Carolina to really lock me in. So... If Cam's there, obviously, towards the back end of the of your draft, I'm not going to tell you not to take him, but he's starting to slide pretty fast into my try-to-avoid list. Yeah, I think you're being a touch overdramatic. I think that Cam is draftable, but I, I definitely think you knock him down. I think that guys who you would have taken Cam before, or excuse me, yeah, who you would have taken Cam before earlier, guys like a, a Philip Rivers, a Jay Cutler, a Tony Romo, guys like that, uh, I think they're kind of on the same level now. I would be just as happy with one of those guys as my quarterback as I would with Cam now, where before I would have said Cam, no question. Uh, so I think he's kind of dropped down a tier. I definitely think he's draftable. I think the upside is too high. Uh, you know, it's not like he had great weapons last year. Uh, it, uh, and the ankle thing really 
worried me before. He came out, he looked good in the last preseason game before getting hurt. I don't think he's undraftable, but I definitely think you knock him down at least a tier. Uh, some other guys coming off of injury. Monte Ball finally got to see him in the in his first preseason game along with Emmanuel Sanders. Biggest takeaway from that, again, obviously Wes Welker suffering another concussion, which is something to be afraid of a little bit. But think the two things I want to talk about is that Monte Ball actually looked pretty good. They tested him right away. Um, is he worth that first-round tag that still keeps going around? And Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 128 yards, two touchdowns. I had a feeling that it would work really well in this offense. I've always been a bag, a big fan of the Colonel, the Colonel. I don't know. I call him Colonel Sanders. It's just something I do. But anyway, I really like him as an option, and he's kind of rising up my draft board. So what do you guys think? Monty Ball still worth the first-round tag? Emmanuel Sanders moving up in your case? Yeah, kind of. I do. I mean, uh, it's hard not to like Monty Ball as, you know, someone who's who's right around the turn. And you think about it this way, I, I understand that he's not proven, right? So so that's really the sort of the big knock on him. But you want to be a part of this Denver offense. I mean, again, you know, I think I might have mentioned this before, but, you know, and I like Noshan Moreno. He's a high-motor guy, but... You know, he's not a Hall of Fame running back, but man, Hall of Fame running back in that offense last year. And a lot of that is just being a part of that offense. There are so many people that you need to cover, right, that that he's going to have his opportunities. So I do think Monty Ball is still a first round guy. I don't think he's a top five guy. Um, and I do love the receivers that are going off the board in the first round, but if he's still available for you around the turn, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, right around the corner there, early second round, definitely think of him as a talent that belongs there. Ball was never worth a first round tag to me. I get it. I get why he's going there. I, you know, the kid was talented in, at Wisconsin in college, uh, you know, is a, is a fast kid, has a lot of talent. For me, though, I'm not taking someone in the first round who I've never seen do it before in the NFL. I, I just can't do it. it. It's too big a risk to me. Uh, sure, the running back in a Peyton Manning offense should be taken high, period. Uh, it doesn't really matter who that running back is. They're going to have some semblance of value. Add into that the fact that Denver might have the best offensive line in the league. You know, the, the the pieces are there, and I certainly get why people are taking balls so high. But for me personally, he's more of a, a, a mid to late second round kind of pick. That's where I would be taking him. Needless to say, I'm not getting Monty Ball much in drafts, but I, I get it. But for me, I, I, there's just a, a touch too much risk there for me to use my first round pick on him. Uh, as for the Sanders thing, I think you absolutely have to move him up the draft board. John, when you when you brought those stats, the five catches, 128 yards, two TDs, you forgot to mention it was in the first half. Yeah, he did yeah. it in the first half. Uh, so I think, look, I think the Welker thing is terrifying. I think you have to be very cautious in where you draft Wes Welker. Well, it's a concussion, so you're always going to be worried. It's a terrible injury. It's scary. Everybody knows about it. Uh, the good news for Wes Welker is that he's in exercise mode as of this morning, according to John Fox, uh, which means that he is showing lesser symptoms, right? So you can't start exercising until you start showing uh, some of these symptoms subsiding. Uh, that apparently has happened. So, you know, while he hasn't 
uh, past the concussion protocol yet to get back out on the field, he can start exercising, uh, which means that there's a good chance, you know, even a couple of days ago, people are asking if he's going to retire. Now it looks like there's a good chance he's actually going to be out there within the first couple of weeks, even, you know, possibly week one, but I wouldn't bank on it. Um, but it, it does seem to be a little bit less serious of a concussion uh, if there's such a thing. Uh, than originally thought. Yeah, in this case, it's like the nervousness surrounding Welker with the the very real potentiality that he gets another concussion. And and, and I would assume that if he got one more, they they just have to shut him down. It, it, at some point, the team has to step in and say, "We're looking out for your welfare. This isn't right. You can't do this." But you never know. We'll see what happens with that. I think that either way, even as a third receiver, I think Sanders now has serious value. I, I was a little worried about Sanders when he was hurt and not playing in the preseason, when he did play with Manning, no catches, uh, didn't seem to be any rapport there. I think all those questions have been answered, obviously, just preseason. But I think you have to feel really, really good about taking Emmanuel Sanders now. I think he's got high, you know, high wide receiver two upside now, yeah. uh, which you couldn't have said before. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is one of those guys you have to move up your board big time. He was one of the guys that actually wanted here in Philadelphia. Uh, he was real cheap, I think you know, whatever it was, two, $3 million uh, would have been a great third wide receiver. I kind of got made, made fun of for that, but again, it's early, it's preseason, but man, in a high powered offense like that, um, Eric Decker more or less last year was an average receiver. And he's, I, you know, I don't think he's going to do anything great with the jets either. So absolutely. He's a 100% upgrade over, over Decker there. And I expect him to get more targets. Surprisingly also, uh, a little bit surprising, I should say. Uh, you know, Steven Jackson wasn't supposed to make week one. Uh, now is at practice and looks like he'll be on track for week one. Is he still a stay away for you guys? Yeah, I mean, okay, here's the thing. It really, you know, and we, we say this all the time. Again, it's a value thing. Uh, you know, if you go ahead and do sort of a quasi version of the zero running back, yeah. you're, you're loaded up on receivers early, and you can get somebody like Steven Jackson in the seventh or eighth round, then no, he's not a stay away. Then you take him. Uh, it's a hamstring. Hamstrings always scare me. Obviously, they recur over and over again. Um, it's recurred over and over again with him, but you see that a lot. That being said, you know, the value there, I mean, the value in the seventh or eighth round to get somebody who is the starting running back, it, it seems silly to, to let it go, particularly if uh, you go receiver heavy early and, and say you've already and went ahead and grabbed your quarterback and grabbed your tight end. Now you need to start loading up on receivers. You know, that being said, yeah, sure. Grab Devonta Freeman, uh, you know, two rounds later, if you if you'd like. It seems like a silly thing to handcuff a seventh round pick. Uh, but you're talking about somebody who you may have taken anyway. And Devonta Freeman, two or three around the 10th round, uh, ninth round, possibly. Uh, he seems to be moving up a little bit. Um so, so yeah, no, I, I do not see him as a stay away, uh, but I certainly wouldn't be uh, reaching for him. Uh, for me, I'm probably not going to end up with Steven Jackson, especially if people are excited about him being back. Just too many injury questions, too many risks. He's too old. That offensive line was already bad. Lose Sam Baker for the season, their starting left tackle. That's a massive blow to that line. I just think that that when the Falcons move the ball, it's going to be Julio and Roddy who are who are kind of moving it down the field. I, I think that Jackson obviously will be a part of the offense when he's in there, but just the, just the risk of injury, the risk of him not compete, you know, being out there to compete on your team. It, it's just a little too much for me for where he would probably go. Same with me. I say, let somebody else draft them for the time being, just like James said, there's obviously a place for 
you know, every, every one of these guys, but uh, I would be riding the quiz uh, Freeman train and just see kind of how that plays out throughout the uh, time. But, man, Julio Jones looks healthy, doesn't he? Gee, many crickets. Oh, he, he looks, looks awesome. great. <laughs> um, and with that, guys, we're going to get into the mailbag, which is uh, hopefully a segment that we can keep continuing all season long as we love uh, hearing from you guys as well. So tweet all your fantasy questions to, uh, to any one of us. You can use the, the main tag at BGN underscore Twiff or uh, Mr. James Elters at James Elter 975. Tony Casali is at Caserly, and of course, I'm right there at John Bartrand, and we'll be uh, throwing these things out pretty much uh, before every show, and we love answering your questions. We'll start with uh, the gentleman named Matt Gumbrecht, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a sweet, badass name, but he's got a question for all of us here saying, gonna need a sleeper slash waiver wire running back for a spot start when McCoy and Martin are on the same bye on the same week. Any thoughts on that? He's, He's The only guy he has is Terrence West that's backing up those two in a 14-team league. I know running backs are thin, but are there any targets uh, out there that you would be looking at for that situation? Yeah, this is kind of a tough one because it's a 14-team league. So even the lower-tier guys, the Fred Jacksons, the Terrence West already owned, the Chris Ivories, the Noshans, all who have good matchups that week uh, are not going to be viable. You know, they're going to be owned already. Uh, You know, Noshan against the Bears, the Bears were the – worst run defense in football last year by a large margin. Mm-hmm. So so normally you look at that as a nice little kind of guy. And I think in a 10-team league, you could easily make that happen. Maybe even in a 12-team league, as Noshan has, has really fallen, uh, at least until Peter King came out in his MMQB and said that he thinks Noshan's going to be the guy that's kind of bumped him back up a little bit. But uh, I'll give you two names. Again, this is a 14-team league, so it, it's hard to know who is owned already. But, but uh, Matt, for you, I'll give you two names. Uh, the first one is I'll give you three names, but two are on the same team. Uh, I think either Lance Dunbar or Joseph Randall could be a guy you could slot in that week. Uh, they're facing the Giants uh, 14th against the run last year and, you know, kind of middle of the pack, but uh, certainly a chance they could be worse this season. I think if anywhere they improve, it's in the secondary. Uh, so and I, I, here's the thing with Dunbar. I think Dunbar could be worth owning in general. Uh, Murray's going to be the guy. We all know Murray's injury history. Uh, I don't know if he's ever played 16 games in a season in his career. Uh, Dunbar will be kind of a scat back, kind of a third down kind of guy. He can catch the ball. So Dunbar's the kind of guy I like because I, I think you could put him in there and knock it a zero. Uh, whereas, you know, other guys are kind of just taking a flyer and hoping that they have some sort of role when that comes. I think Dunbar could have a role all season. Uh, along those same lines, Joseph Randall, uh, more in terms of if Murray gets hurt, he would probably get a much bigger role in the offense, kind of be the week-to-week kind of guy, uh, whereas Dunbar, I think his role would kind of stay the same as that kind of third-down receiving type of back. So so those are a couple names. And then uh, Donald Brown versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs were 22nd against the run last year. I think Danny Woodhead and Ryan Matthews are going to be owned in every single league. But but I don't see Donald Brown going in a lot of leagues, at least in 12-team leagues. So there's certainly the possibility that in a 14-team league, he doesn't go. I, I think if nothing else, again, the same idea with Dunbar. He'll have some sort of role in that offense. McCoy likes to use multiple running backs, mix it up, have different guys do different things. So I think Donald Brown at least could you know go in there that weekend and not give you a zero. I think you're in, in trouble for week seven, but for the rest of the season, having McCoy and Martin. Hard to complain about that. Yeah, and uh, the only thing I'll add to that is um, one guy that came to mind is that Jonathan Grimes, and again, that might be still hard uh, to grab considering he's the number two back behind Arian Foster, and who knows who has him. 
That's another guy I would look out for. Right now, I think your best option is still with Terrence West there in week 14. Uh, moving on, as we check with our friends on the Broad Street Beat at the Broad Street Beat, hello to Kyle and all the guys over there. How early is too early to snag Jimmy Graham? Take him whenever you like him. I mean, that seems a little bit uh, obvious, but take him in the first round. There's absolutely no reason why not. Here, Here's the thing. He's not a reach because he's not going to be around in the second round for you. So if he's your guy, take him. Usually, I'm, I'm very, very against taking that top tight end that early. I think it's very difficult to fill in your wide receivers and your running backs when you make that move. But uh, Graham is just so much better than everyone else. And obviously, a healthy Gronk gives Graham a run for his money. But with all the injury risks surrounding Gronk and him coming back from multiple injuries last season, uh, I just think that Graham is such an advantage at the tight end position over just about anybody else, and, and especially over everyone not named Gronk or Julius Thomas, that uh, I, I think that you could take Graham anywhere from the 7 to 10 range, and I would be totally fine with it. Uh, I personally, I think you got to take those five running backs first and then Calvin Johnson in that sixth spot, and then I'm okay with anyone in that seven spot, whether it's a Graham, a Demarius Thomas, a, a Peyton Manning, whoever you want to go there, I'd be fine with. Um, and, and, you know, I think I've even seen Graham go higher than that, and, and again, it's hard to argue. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, James pretty much said it. After uh, Calvin Johnson is off the board, that's that's when it's okay. Uh, and there, if you if you think there's value in the second round with some of these wide receivers, I, you know, go ahead and take them before Calvin Johnson if you want to. Look, I mean, Calvin Johnson's a stud, but the drop off between the number one and two receivers isn't the same as what it's going to be between the number one and two tight ends. If you feel like taking Jimmy Graham, you know, right after a couple of those running backs. And maybe your fifth, and on the way back, you still get Antonio Brown or Jordy Nelson. You yeah. still have a really solid start to your team, as long as you know you can go and get those running backs later and you're confident in your ability to draft running backs late. Uh, Brian Couture, uh, I apologize if I'm screwing that up as well, at uh, Phila A.B. Couture, who will be the worst quarterback taken in most drafts this year? I love this question. question. Uh, I think this is, it's a great question. Good job, Brian. It's a lot of fun uh, for me. And, and I like the key that he said most drafts. So we're not talking about, you know, the low end guys or the guys in two QB leagues. Uh, and I'm going to give you RG three, man. Oh, I, I'm, mind. I love I'm it. terrified I love of him. Yeah. How could you not be? He's looked so bad. And I granted, I, I think this whole quote unquote quarterback country controversy is a bit contrived. I think that RG three is the starter there. I don't think cousins is going to be the guy. But everything you hear, everything you see out of Washington about RG3 right now is bad. You're hearing he can't pick up the Gruden offense. He's looked terrible in the preseason. Uh, it's just, you know, especially where he's going. I mean, he's going in the top 10 of quarterbacks. Uh, that whole group I mentioned before, from Cam to Romo to Rivers to Cutler, I want all those guys before RG3. I, I'm not touching RG3. I, I, I would even consider taking Roethlisberger and Andy Dalton ahead of RG3. That's how low I am on RG3. Uh, so, And I think he's going to be owned in just about every league, at least until he either is terrible and Cousins comes in or, or something else happens. So, And again, that injury risk, too. He doesn't look like he, again, another guy who doesn't know how to slide. Uh, you know, I, I, personally, I want nothing to do with RG3 this year. Our good friend Dan Schmidt also checking in from sonsofthespectrum.com. Big shout to him at uh, Dan S uh, underscore S-O-T-S. Is it okay to taunt anyone who takes a defense before the 12th round? Immediate reaction, Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, you can taunt anybody for anything pretty much at any time during the draft. I don't think you really need a reason. Uh, 12th round, yeah, that's probably where you're going to see it start happening. I mean, 
I think you could probably find better reasons to taunt him, like what he's wearing or who he dates or just other bad life choices, I think would be fine. Drafting a drafting a, a defense in the 12th round is pretty typical, well, I imagine. He's saying before the 12th round. Yeah, before the 12th round. Before the 10th round, absolutely. Yes, John. The answer is yes. I think it is completely okay to taunt anyone who takes a defense or kicker for that matter before the last two rounds. Uh, I get, you know, people love to, you know, take the Seattle. De- I saw the Seattle defense go in the sixth round of a draft. Uh, that, that's insanity to me. I, I think that the variation from year to year in defenses, at least from a fantasy perspective, is massive. You never know. Like, yes, we all think Seattle will be the best fantasy defense, and there's a very good chance they will be. But we don't know that. It, it, everything changes from year to year. It's based on schedule. It's based on performance. It's based on injuries. There are so many things that go into it that, that there's just no way to predict. It's stupid to take a defense early because you don't know that that defense is going to be better than the other defenses. You may as well load up on the other positions and just use it in the last two rounds. Go defense kicker in the last two rounds. Yeah, and our good friend uh, Fitticus, who's a fan of both shows here, also <laughs> chimed in on that conversation and said that yeah, in his league that there was definitely somebody that is keeping the Carolina defense as one of their keepers and they also took them in the fifth round wow. this year. So, wow. I mean, that is that is an immediate uh, make fun of right there instantly. I, I just, well, it's what we call dead money, John. Exactly. That's a, take it in, you know, taunt him and say thank you for coming and thank you for playing your season's over. Uh, last question coming from uh, Landon Klein at uh, LS Klein 25. Who do you take Andre Williams, Carlos Hyde? Another excellent question. I'm a Carlos Hyde guy. I think he's got a ton of talent and I think he's going to have some opportunity. You know, San Francisco, you know, we might disagree on whether they're going to be a playoff team this year. I'm not entirely sure either, but I do know that if they intend to make the playoffs, and I think that's probably their goal, they might rest Frank Gore a little bit more during this season uh, and give Carlos Hyde an opportunity. So even if Frank Gore is out there, I think that Carlos Hyde's going to get a little bit of an opportunity to show what he's got in dynasty leagues. He's a must have in uh, redraft leagues. I think I'm a Carlos Hyde fan this year. Yeah, it's a good question for me. It's an easy answer, though. It's Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Uh, you had asked uh, a few weeks ago when we first started doing the podcast if Carlos Hyde was the number one handcuff in the league. Uh, and I said, no, I might have changed my response on that. I, I think Carlos Hyde has looked so good in the preseason and you know I I like Frank Gore I think Gore is actually a bit of a value this year it seems like he's finally you know kind of dropping to that fourth fifth round range and that's a decent value but he's you know 30 years old at some point he's going to break down running backs just break down it's what happens Uh, and then on top of that I I think that Hyde has played so well and been so dynamic in the preseason that I I think he's worked himself into a a role on the team period Uh, obviously he's not going to be the main back while Gore is healthy but, but I think he's going to have value, especially in deeper leagues, regardless. And if Gore goes down, he has a chance to be a top five, top ten guy. 100%. Andre is going to get those goal line carries, but Carlos is going to have the yards and the goal line carries along with it. So that's a that's a definite on Carlos Hyde for me as well. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, the mailbag once again. We're going to do that every week, and we thank everybody for uh, participating. We love having you guys ask questions. It gets you guys involved. And it's just a, it's this a gay old time. Uh, we, um, we're going to well get, done. yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we have been noticing, uh, we've been drafting, which is the most exciting part. We've been doing a lot of mocks, which we've been doing since March because we're crazy and we're sick in the head and we love this game. But, um, there has definitely been some notable trends that have been starting out 
and what have you guys been seeing with your draft so far? John, the biggest thing I've noticed has been the fall of QBs, uh, especially at the top of the draft. Guys like Manning, Breeze, and Rodgers have really been falling in the drafts I've been doing. I'm talking like, you know, getting Peyton Manning in the mid-second round, getting Drew Brees in the, the late second, early third, Rodgers in the third. I think that's insane, especially with Manning and Breeze. I, I, I Yeah, I am all for waiting on quarterback. I love Cutler this year. I think Romo, if he stays healthy, is a great fantasy quarterback. I think there's a lot of value to be had if you wait on quarterback. But you can't let guys like Manning and Breeze fall too far. The gap between those two, and I think it's those two, then Rodgers, then the rest of the guys. Uh, and just the gap between those two and everybody else is so significant at least in terms of what you know you're going to get out of them, the numbers they're going to put up, that I just think you can't let them fall that far. That There is a big difference between having Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler. And, yes, there is a big round difference between those guys as well. But I just think that – I mean, look, Peyton Manning last year won fantasy leagues, period. Yep. End of story. You had Manning on your team. You were a playoff team at worst. So I just think that it, they're, they're, it's gone too far. I'm all for waiting on quarterbacks. I just think we've gotten to the point where it's gone just a touch too far. Uh, and also, I've seen wide receivers kind of going off the board really fast. Uh, it seems like wide receivers are a very hot commodity this year. Uh, I'm a big believer in drafts of zigging when other people zag. And this goes back to the quarterback thing, too. If you notice that people are just going crazy and taking wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, don't fall into that trap. Don't just jump in and be like, oh, I got to get my wide receivers. They're all going to be gone. Take advantage of that. Get the value on the running back get Peyton Manning at the end of the second round you know to build your team differently zig when others are zagging and you're gonna have the best chance to have success as the season goes on yeah you know I'm seeing the exact same thing James with the taking wide receivers early and I think that's it's kind of cool it seems like people have really been paying attention to what the experts like yourself have been saying uh, which is right now you know, we would do this years ago and we would see, you know, 10 running backs go off the board in the first round. And in some of my leagues that I'm seeing, I'm seeing as many as six wide receivers go in the first round. I think that's great. I, I, I love that it's breaking up a little bit, that there's more value in wide receivers than there used to be uh, for some of these top guys. So that's a trend I'm seeing that even as early as last year, I wasn't seeing. Yeah, sorry, guys. I mean, if just like we were talking about with Calvin Johnson and Jimmy Graham, if those two are off the board and your next selection isn't Peyton Manning, that's a problem. Um, I, they're, the, Des Bryant, fine. You know, I understand it. It's very sexy. A.J. Green, Brandon Marshall, all those guys, they're still going to be, especially if you're in a PPR league, those wide receivers are going to be there. There are so many wide receivers, it's ridiculous. And there's going to be more that emerge throughout the year so there's no reason to to jump in really across the board on anything just like james was saying that's exactly what you have to do to be successful don't follow the trend all the time if there's value at any other position that's there one thing that i i will stick also stick with quarterbacks this is a trend that i'm seeing that philip rivers keeps going in the 10th it's a 12th round which is ludicrous and it is it is so amazing how much value that is because in case you didn't know everybody, Philip Rivers finished higher than Matthew Stafford last year in, in some leagues. And that's also, I'm going to lead right into that as well. Um, Matthew Stafford, the biggest mistake I've seen go so far, fourth round to sixth round in that range. And guys, there isn't that much separation between, uh, you know, Rivers and Dalton. Romo, Luck, Foles, like they're that's all in the fifteen to twenty point range 
right there, and you can get them three to four rounds later. So that's another trend that if they're going to pick up Stafford, go after guys like your Sankeys, your Tory Smiths, your Emmanuel Sanders, excuse me, your Jeremy Macklins, your Crabtrees, your Welkers, and I'll even say Jordan Cameron. I think Jordan Cameron's a perfect spot right around there, anywhere from the fourth to the sixth round. That's something you got to be aggressive on because the targets are going to come for him regardless. Josh Gordon is the, probably the best thing. A suspension will be the best thing for Jordan Cameron. Those targets have to go somewhere, and there's not a whole lot happening in in uh, you know in Cleveland right now. Um, I- any thoughts on that, guys? Uh, yeah, I, I actually got a couple disagreements there, Johnny. We're Uh-oh. gonna have to ring the ring the bell here. Uh, I personally, I like Stafford. I I agree. I think the fourth round's a little high for him, but but I would take him in the fifth or the sixth. I, I, I think that Stafford. I, I think that here's the thing. I think they've made they've gotten him a few extra weapons. I think Golden Tate is a, is the best second receiver he's had there in his time. Uh, I think that Stafford's going to put up numbers. You know, he's like, what is he at over five thousand yards two years in a row? Uh, that that's that's impressive. That's something that 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 matters in fantasy. I think that Stafford has the chance to throw for. 40 touchdowns if Stafford can throw for 35 to 40 touchdowns and continue with the yards all of a sudden it's worth that draft spot and maybe even worth higher so I, I think James I don't know though Let me, I want to I want to break in there because if you're literally talking about a 20 point difference that's maybe a game during the entire year that you can make up with one of the skill position players that you're going to grab instead of Stafford so unless there is a humongous run on you know, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, whatever you're stuck in, and Matthew Stafford's hanging out in the middle, sure, go ahead and grab him, but there's still not much difference between the guys I mentioned. And My, my point is that, for me, there is a difference. I think Stafford is significantly better than Cutler, Cutler Rivers, any of those guys. Wow. I, I, I do. I think, let's put it this way, I think Stafford is more cemented, you know, as the four going away than, you know, the guys behind him are close. I think he's closer to the top three than the guys behind him are to him. I, I, I believe that. I think Stafford could have a breakout year this year. Uh, and look, he's already broken out. But from a numbers perspective, I like that Caldwell's there. I, I don't think Jim Caldwell's a very good football coach. I don't think he's a good head coach. Uh, but, but I think he can work with quarterbacks. I think he gets quarterbacks. I think he can help Stafford. I think that Stafford, a lot of his mistakes are mental. If they can kind of help him with the arm slot, have him a little bit more consistent with his decision-making, with, with you know where he throws from, with the arm slot, he loves to go sidearm. He's got to work on that. I think there's a real chance that Stafford could really leap up and and be an elite quarterback, at least from a fantasy perspective. I guess we're gonna we we're just we won't agree on that. I think there's too yeah, and then, there's and then too many skill players the, around. Let's keep the disagreements going because my my big mistake that I've seen so far is taking any tight end not named Graham Gronk or Julius Thomas wow. in first five rounds. For me, if I'm if I'm not getting one of those three guys, I'm waiting till the end. I'm taking Heath Miller. I'm taking Charles Clay. I'm taking a flyer on Travis Kelsey. I don't care. I I I don't. I'm not taking Jordan Cameron in the fourth fifth round. I'm not taking Vernon Davis in the fourth fifth round. I think that the the you know Vernon Davis for starters is super touchdown dependent. Got you know twelve touchdowns last year. If that number decreases by half, even you know he's significantly less valuable than he was. Uh, and then for Cameron, yeah, I, I love the upside and stuff, but we've still only seen him do it for a year. He tailed off a lot last year as the season went on. His quarterbacks I, got hurt. He went through three quarterbacks. Hey, hey you know he's going to go through two this year, right? Go from where to Manziel. Even better because he becomes he becomes Johnny Manziel's new Mike Evans. Even yeah. better. Well, 
I, I, and look, I get it. But just for me, if I'm not getting one of those top three, I, I'm at the end of it. I, I'm getting a, a, a Charles Clay or a Heath Miller or somebody. Look, I, I, I can respect the Vernon Davis because I'm right. I'm 100% agreement with you there. I, I don't think he's in that class. I don't think he ever was. I, to me, I would extend that tight end to Jordan Cameron and if anything after that. Sure, Heath Miller. Actually, Heath Miller is one of my guys that could be could be a huge surprise this year. Um, I know that's uh, silly, but it's a very buy low guy with with tremendous high upside now that he's healthy. Now there are other tight ends that I like out there. Of course, your you know your Olsons, your Pittas, your uh, your Zach Ertz, your your Rudolphs, all that stuff. That Rudolph has been actually looking really, really, really well. That North Turner offense is starting to show up there, but it's just. It, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm hired on Jordan Cameron than probably most people. That might be one of my mistakes moving forward, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, you know, guys, my take on this is I'm not really high on taking any quarterback between the fourth and sixth round. So it's not really a Matthew Stafford thing. I actually really, really like Matthew Stafford. And, and you know, you, you bring up somebody like Andy Dalton. Yeah, he had a great year last year, but he's going to be running a different offense this year. So I don't think he's going to have the same numbers as he's going to get yesterday. I don't know. I don't know, man. Hugh Jackson's the... I, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and bet. Well, that's fine. Jay, well, Jay and, and look, and there's the thing then. So go ahead and take Andy Dalton later. He's still, he can still be your guy. I, but I wouldn't have him as my starting quarterback no, no, this I'm year. Not saying that either. So, so if you're still talking about a starting quarterback and you're talking about somebody you can take between the fourth and sixth round, well, I'm not huge on taking too many people uh, at the quarterback position. I usually typically like to fill out my running backs. Uh, in my receivers first. That being said, I still have Matthew Stafford as my fifth best quarterback overall. So so that means it, if he is available to you, starting, you know, for me, right around the sixth round, once I've got three receivers and two running backs, now I'll start considering it, right? Uh, yeah, could you get a little bit more value maybe out of having another running back on your team? Yeah, possibly. Uh, but if this is your guy, I don't think that sixth round is too early for somebody like Matthew Stafford. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not going to kill you for it either. But again, it's just something uh, that I wouldn't do. And <laughs> it's going to be fun to go back and listen to this tape uh, to see if uh, we were right or wrong. That's the beauty of fantasy football. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. But we thank you so much for listening to this week in fantasy. And we are just a little over a week away from it being the real deal, everybody. So next week, we're we're finally going to get into sit them and start them. We're going to do matchups. We're going to do injury lists and all that good stuff. And we're going to especially focus on the flex position because we know week one is kind of the hardest hardest to judge who we're going to put there. But we'll give you our opinions on, on who should go where. That's going to be all next week. So thank you for uh, myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Tony Casale, for uh, James Seltzer. Thank you for listening to This Week in Fantasy right here on BGN Radio. This episode of This Week in Fantasy has been brought to you by Eagles Almanac, the 2014 edition. The Eagles Almanac includes detailed analysis, essays, scouting, statistics, and more from the likes of Shio Kapadia, Tim McManus, Jimmy Kemsky, Tommy Lawler, and Bleeding Green Nation's own Brandon Lee Gowton. You'll get in-depth access to the play breakdowns of Chip Kelly's dynamic offense, See how LaShawn McCoy can build on his record-setting season. Seeing exactly what Nick Foles' ceiling is. And of course, your guide to the important art of buying an Eagles jersey. The 2014 Eagles Almanac. Grab it now at EaglesAlmanac.com.